Welcome to Living the Awakened Path, a community for conversations about living consciously and aware. I'm Jada McLeod. I'm a naturopathic doctor with a clinical focus on hormonal health for women. I'm Lisa Sabatini, a healer, helping people bring healed conscious awareness to their life and relationships. Thanks for joining us in this conversation as we illuminate living the awakened path in everyday life together. together. Welcome to episode five of Living the Awakened Path. I'm Jada and Lisa's here with me. And today we are going to attempt to talk about communication. And we're going to attempt to talk about it during this Mercury retrograde time. (laughs) So it's going to be very fascinating. And that's partly why we decided to chat about communication today. Um, It's been coming up for both of us recently. We've been having some awareness around the importance of communication and um, how we can just hone our skills in that area and and to live a more sort of clear and authentic life consciously yeah Yeah. Mm -hmm. communication is such a broad topic because when we think about communication you know that it's funny that it is you know Mercury retrograde is notorious for having communication issues, <laughs> including technical difficulties. Um, so it's funny that we're attempting that and that we are communicating about communication. <laughs> <laughs> we will see how this goes. <laughs> so, yeah. And so one of the reasons I wanted to chat about it today is, is that it's definitely been a theme in my life. I would say my whole life. I just didn't realize it. Um, it's become more more in my face um recently I've recently been living back home with my parents and my sister and um yeah it's been fun to explore communication in that area um and also to kind of you know implant myself back into my family dynamics after so long Mm. being away and really noticing how I'm communicating differently now than I used to and the importance of having really clear boundaries with my communication um, in a really like loving and conscious way versus in a like hold it in, hold it in, let it fester, get resentful and then, and then it blows. I love that you're saying to kind of revisiting the family dynamic of communication because I think you know, whether family is prominent in people's lives or not, um, going back to that um, kind of pattern or zone of what we talk about communication is what seems to be the crux of our understanding personally of communication. So how has that been for you just in terms of how it was and how it is and kind of revisiting all of that? Well, I found that I didn't realize I was doing this before, but when I was little, I would just hide a lot. Hmm. Um, To me, it was the safest thing to do, um, was to hide how I really felt or what I really thought and just kind of go with the flow and nod and say yes and kind of hold back. I I just didn't want to like 
you know, ruffle anybody's feathers or, you know, create any tension or problems. So I would just go with the flow. And if something was said to me or asked of me that made me feel something negative, I would just swallow it and I would eat. (laughs) Mm. When I was little, I have memories of going into the cupboard and just grabbing like jello, but like the powdered form of jello. And I would just eat it because I just wanted to feel something different. And obviously that was like a massive sugar rush. Um, I'd get, my body would get like flooded with, you know, dopamine and all the things. And so that was the old pattern. Mm -hmm. And I would say, I still see the old pattern show up or I, I, I should say, I see the old pattern want to show up. And, um, I get pulled in that direction. That's like my first instinct Mm. is to just like not say anything. And then I notice that. And then I say something and I don't always say something right away. Um, cause it's still a little bit scary for me to have a voice, but I definitely do. I definitely do say more than I, I used to. And, um, and I, I like myself more because of it. I don't know if that makes sense. It definitely makes sense. I feel like when we, you know, speak up for ourselves or communicate what we need or how we're feeling that it's, while it's scary, especially in situations where normally we wouldn't, for example, and then all of a sudden we start doing that, I feel like that's retrieving power. It's so empowering, even though it's scary to do it after it feels like we've honored ourselves. Mm, yes, that's a good way to put it. I feel honored. Mm. And I'm and then I'm I'm being there for myself and I'm listening and yeah, that's a really good word, honored. Have, have you had anything like like similar to that Lisa or has it been different for you with the communication? Oh, oh. I, <laughs> I've like um I'm so fascinated by communication on so many levels and I've definitely experienced what you're talking about with my family, except that, um, I, I approached it. I chose a different, uh, um, kind of mechanism to deal. I would, um, I would have, I would have outbursts (laughs) when I was a kid. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So instead of, you know, kind of hiding into myself, um, I would have outbursts and um, like angry outbursts or frustration. It would come out as frustration a lot of the time. Uh, And then I would disappear. So it would be like an Mm. outburst and then a a retreat. (laughs) Mm. Um, And I didn't learn, I didn't learn healthy communication um, at a young age. I formally studied communication later on and I as a middle child, I definitely informally studied it the entire time because I'd observe. And I would remember, I'd remember sitting at countless, like sitting in family situations or at the table or just observing people having conversations. And this has happened outside of family as well, where I noticed that two people would be having a conversation and one would be talking about one thing and the other person would be talking about something else, but they thought they were having the same conversation. Mm-hmm. and just fully misunderstanding each other the entire time while thinking they were they were understanding each other <laughs> <laughs> and i think that 
that was like, oh, wow, that can happen. And I think that's what really spurred me into like the formal study of communication. Mm. Um, it's like it's, it's like we're communicating through through this like wall or this lens. We're we're putting all of our stuff on it, but the other person just takes in what what they think we're saying. And uh, it's like living in separate worlds almost. Right. Yeah. And then how do we break down that wall so that we're really connecting like on the same, you know, on the same level where we're really understanding each other because words are tricky. You know, I, the word communication might mean one thing to me and something else to you. And that goes for every word we use. Mm. And so there's so much room for variables in every word that like it comes down to intention. Mm -hmm. really understanding I feel like when we're communicating well we're understanding each other's intention and how would you say you like how does that flow for you how do you get to that place where you can really connect to intention Uh, it's definitely a work in progress (laughs) you know Mm -hmm. like it's it has its challenges for sure but I think that I you know I set my intention to understand someone's intention because I think, you know, certain words trigger, trigger people. And Mm -hmm. so, um, you know, here's a trigger word, like using the word lazy, if, Mm -hmm. and that might be extremely triggering to some people and totally not triggering to others. So Mm -hmm. if I'm communicating something to someone and I use that word and it triggers them, but it doesn't mean the same thing to me, then we've ended up on a um a miscommunication issue mm-hmm. now we're not un- understanding once someone's triggered we're not understanding the intention and usually from what i've from my experience what happens in terms of breakdown in communication or feeling connected to someone is this not understanding the intention behind any kind of communication or connection or anything like that so suddenly I feel like I'm being attacked or misunderstood and that just shuts down communication completely now we've gone off on another you know it breaks things down it breaks down communication so trying to understand someone's intention I set I I I, that's on my mind when I'm interacting with people I'm wanting to understand their intention. And I think, you know, most people's intentions are good. And sometimes mm-hmm. that doesn't come across well. And so mm-hmm. I'm, I'm, I'm always giving people uh, the benefit of the doubt, and assuming mm-hmm. that they mean well. Yeah, absolutely. And I find like, for me, like deep listening is a big part of, of understanding where somebody's coming from and try not to jump to conclusions too much um, within the communication. So, you know, we can communicate obviously um, with body language. I mm. think that's like one of the top ways we communicate. Actually, I can't remember the stats and the numbers, but I think it's a big way. And, and it's easy to, you know, to put story and to assume a lot of things about somebody's body language, even that simply happens all the time. And and so I think for me, it's a combination actually of deep listening and asking questions 
um, mm. versus just jumping into the assumption role. The questions um, which are can huge. Be, I love that. Yeah. I love that you said that. Yeah, because we can assume and we don't even realize we're making assumptions. It can just right. happen in a in a milli, milli, millisecond. And so I will definitely ask a lot of questions or clarification. And some people don't like that because within the question, they can feel attacked. Right. You know, yep. like if I was having a heated argument with a partner, for example, and and I say, you know, listen, you've got your arms crossed. You've got that look on your face. It seems like, you know, you don't want to be talking right now. Is that true? <laughs> and so I voice my assumption and that can be also triggering. But at the same time, it, it at least lets them clarify for me what's really going on with them. You know, it could be that they are scared or that they are nervous or they're having a day, you know, or a million other things. Yeah. Yes. And so, um, yeah, having those uh, those questions to clarify is, I, in my experience anyway, very, very important. Once I actually get to the communication piece, but as I mentioned earlier, my biggest hurdle in this lifetime has really been to even have a voice and to feel like I can communicate, period, and, uh, and to predominantly to communicate a no. So what has made you in the past feel like, you know, to, to not, what, what shut your voice down, I guess, is what I'm asking. How did, like, I mean, I know it, it happens differently mm -hmm. for everyone, but, mm -hmm. you know, what, what made you just kind of not feel like you could speak what you needed to? Um, I think it's a lot of conditioning from my childhood, you know, in the sense of, you know, I was born in 1980, um, and not to necessarily make it a, a generational thing, but um, for the environment I was raised in, it was sort of a, how do I put this into words, like, I wasn't necessarily asked how I was feeling or what I was thinking, and um, and if I ever did have a strong feeling about anything, it was usually shut down pretty quickly. Mm. Um, and so I think like, you know, I wasn't really modeled that like to regard my feelings as being something of importance, um, or valid and therefore, yeah. or valid. And so it was sort of like, yeah, it's hard to put into words. Like, I just, I don't want it to sound like my childhood was terrible, but because it wasn't at all, it was more of, um, it just wasn't valued. You know, I really, f I, I resonate with what you're saying because, and even just in the time frame too, because, at, you know, at that time that I think, I feel like the idea was still, and for me as well, that children are to be seen and not heard and sometimes not even seen really, let's be honest, <laughs> you know? Mm -hmm. And, yeah. um, and I, and, and it's so true. Like I never felt as a child, like, um, my opinions or my emotions or my thoughts on anything or feelings on anything were valid because the adults made the choices and the decisions and what have you. And I do see now big changes in that where, you know, mm -hmm. children are being asked their opinion or how they feel about something. And that wasn't really in my experience either. And I, and I'm sure it's different for everyone, but it wasn't, that wasn't really a thing when I was mm -hmm. growing up either. 
So it may, it may or may not be a generational thing, but, um, you know, we're coming out of the, the, that kind of old school way of thinking, um, Mm -hmm. which was just kind of, it seems to me that was fairly common way of, uh, of doing things. Um, so that's so, that's so fascinating and it kind of just, um, for me too, it shut down, it shut down my ability to communicate in just that I didn't feel like those things were important coming from me, you know? So, yeah. So how did that change for you? Like what, was it just a whole bunch of little experiences over the years or was there something that big that happened for you that changed that? Yes, I would say both of those things. I, you know, I, what, I think what really changed it is, um, at a young age, I kind of just threw myself out there (laughs) Um, and I, I, um, I lived in Southeast Asia, um, in my very early twenties, like the earliest twenties. I think I, I moved there when I was 20 and, um, all of a sudden, all of everything was based on my decisions and what I was doing and how I decided to. So all of a sudden, of course, all of that mattered. All of the responsibility was on me. And I think that's what really started shifting things because I had to rely on myself and how I felt about mm-hmm. things and what I thought and what I wanted to do and all of that. And so it was yeah. a rude awakening for sure, but it also made h- massive shifts in me in terms of just taking responsibility um, and knowing that and also the different language there. So again, the study of communication where it's like, how do I communicate with people who aren't speaking the same language as me. Yes, I studied the language, but still the complexities of language is takes a long time to master. And um, if you really want to express something, it's it's difficult if you're a novice in a language. Especially when I got there, I, I didn't I didn't speak any Chinese. I didn't understand any any of it. So um, I also realized that I needed to communicate in different ways. And um, what I noticed today is I did heavily focus on communication via language and learned a lot more about that there, but also, um, you know, how, as you mentioned, how powerful our communication is as people to each other. And it's in the animal kingdom as well, in terms of the physical communication. Um, it's the subtleties of that and reading them is like an art all unto itself. And that is major communication goes in, you know, it goes into our, our assessment of people without us even realizing it most of the time in terms of how they are holding themselves, how they, you know, what are we communicating to people just by our posture? Mm. And that's communication. Exactly. Exactly. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. It is fascinating. All of the ways that we communicate, we don't even realize we are. And then we wonder, how could, how does everybody around me know that I'm not doing well? <laughs> <laughs> and, and it's like clear as day in everything that we're doing and how we're being. And it's mm-hmm. interesting, too, you know, we, we all have our different um, kind of choices in natural choices or even not necessarily conscious choices of how we prefer to communicate. And... Um, 
and I noticed that so much in relationships or new relationships, friendship or romantic or family relationships, any of those kind of relationship dynamics where some people are just not verbal communicators. They communicate in other ways. Um, Some people like to speak. Some people like to write. Some people communicate through art. Um, And also, um, you know, through physical touch. Like some people just aren't. I remember, um, you know, like dating and just being like, why isn't this person ever calling or messaging? (laughs) Because I am a communicator in that way. And then, um, but then every time spending time with, you know, someone like that in person, it becomes really evident that they're a more of an in-person communicator, mm-hmm. that the relationship evolves in that way, in a kind of mutually shared space, um, in kind of, in like hugs or handholding or... Um, just as, you know, some people like to speak and when they're talking to you, they'll put their hand on your shoulder or, you know, that's how they communicate. That's how they're in- communicating their intention. Mm-hmm. And that can be received in so many different ways. Some people really don't like that where others make them, it makes you feel closer. Yeah. And it's so important to, especially if you're in a romantic relationship to be with somebody that, um, that you kind of share some communication strategies <laughs> there's some overlap right. there or else it can be it can be really tricky you can learn and you can adapt and understand okay this is the way that this person needs to communicate so we can adapt it just be it would just be a little bit harder and I think that there's more room for miscommunication right yeah and you know what I think is beautiful it just in you mentioning that and I'm so glad that you did is I think what like expressing and communicating love really as you know we hear about like the love languages and all of these things um but I think what's really beautiful in terms of expressing love even if you don't automatically have the same styles of communication um is understanding what the other person requires for communication because that's where we really get to know people is mm-hmm. not just expecting them to communicate to us in the way that we like, but actually communicating to them in the way that they need. Yeah, absolutely. It's such a loving act to be to pay attention to that and to honor it uh, for them. Yeah, it's it's really special. Like for me, I am definitely more of a writer. Um, mm-hmm. you know, if I've ever had <clears throat> something that that's been really important on my heart that I've wanted to say to a partner. I've always written it out um, because I find verbally, I can get a little mumble jumble, right? Yeah. Which is funny because we're doing this podcast. So (laughs) I'm not quite sure. Can we write this podcast? (laughs) (laughs) Um, I don't know if anybody's already been able to tell it's a little mumble jumble on my part, but um, not at all. I've never noticed that. Well, I think it's more when I'm in a high stakes, nervous situation. High emotion um, I, stakes? High emotions. Mm. And I've got something that's really hard for me to say, or it's like putting up a boundary. It's really hard for me. And so sometimes I will uh, mumble jumble it. But writing has always been been my preferred method because I feel like I can really explain things and get things out and really think about it. And 
<clears throat> yeah, expressed that way. And I'm also definitely a physical touch person. I definitely find that I can show somebody how much I care about them by touching them or hugging them or um, just being in their physical presence is really important. I feel like we really notice that these days more than ever. Mm-hmm. Because I never thought that that was my for me that that case, you know, I thought same I I deliver messages best when they're written um because that that was my craft for a long time the writing um in terms of communication and um and or you know at maybe abstract ideas through poetry even sometimes just to kind of convey um a depth that maybe regular writing might not necessarily do and so and that's kind of more an artistic way of doing things but um since since we've been so separated from people physically I've really recognized that that is definitely um a very clear um mode of communication for me as well and I will say that there was a time where I did not like to be touched or hugged (laughs) And now I'm definitely a hugger. (laughs) It's a huge change. (laughs) When did that change? Because I feel like when I first met you about four years ago, I wouldn't say that we hugged a lot Mm -hmm. when we first became friends. Is that, was that around that time or was it before that? It was already changing at that time, but it's been a gradual, uh, it's changed significantly in the last few years for sure. Mm -hmm. Um, But, you know, I, I could say that it it's definitely noticeably different now. Like I identify myself as someone who is a hugger. Um, mm-hmm. Whereas before I, even before we met, long before we met, um, I would really tense up at a hug. I would just like, <laughs> it was like someone was hugging a board. <laughs> you know, uh, to mm-hmm. now where I get compliments on being the best hugger, which I love, you know, so uh, because it's such a beautiful moment with someone. It's not, you know, not not sexual, just a beautiful moment when so- with someone where you're mutually kind of supporting and holding each other. And it's um, intimate in in and when I say intimate, not that doesn't mean sexual or romantic in any way. It's just it's just a beautiful moment with someone and that kind of vulnerability and intimacy used to make me ultra uncomfortable, (laughs) Mm -hmm. like ultra. So like I would just, I would just stiffen up and I, you know, I'd kind of go somewhere else (laughs) while my physical body was like, uh, you know, I, and to say where that comes from, well, I didn't, you know, I didn't come from a very huggy type of family. So it was foreign Mm -hmm. to me. It, you know, not to say that I didn't need it, which I discovered later that it's something that really um, brings a lot into my life in terms of connection. Mm -hmm. And I value it so much now. But at one time, I I didn't. I I just didn't. It was like completely foreign. Were you always a hugger? Yeah. Um, No, definitely not. I would say that we have similar backgrounds in that way. And even still, I think sometimes I can get a little bit self-conscious. I don't know why, to be honest. I'm not really sure what that's about. Um, But 
yeah, I like I love hugging people that I really feel safe with. Hmm. And people that I don't know as well, I, I feel like I, I can hold myself back a little bit. And so and I think that's a bit of a theme, right? Like when we're thinking about communication, like what is healthy communication? Maybe it's the ability to communicate in all of these ways easily mm-hmm. and effortlessly. Like maybe it's to have healthy communication with being open hearted and vulnerable in you know, communicating physically, like with written word, um, you know, artistically, just to allow the heart space to flow and be open and give and receive that communication just without any walls or hiccups or tension or anything. Right. And I feel like in the perfect world, we'd all be really great at that. But because, you know, that kind of some of that makes some people very uncomfortable I feel like at the same time where you say sometimes I kind of hold myself back I feel like that's some it's necessary in some cases because we're reading the other person that's another huge part of communication is like expressing how we feel but also reading what the other person is saying because it's a two-way street communication isn't uh Mm -hmm. just unidirectional it, it's it's a back and forth and so we need to be able to on some aspect or some level understand the other person that we're communicating with or other whatever it is we're communicating with so that we can communicate effectively but also respectfully mm-hmm. because that's a really good point you know like some people do not want to be hugged and we need to we need to respect that too because then it's an affront on them and it's communicating something very different otherwise yeah so it's um it's such a back and forth you know and mm-hmm. communication is i mean it's such a broad it's not just with people i feel like you know everything in our life is communicating something to us yes absolutely life is always communicating like with every <laughs> every moment i feel um, you know, hearing a song in the radio and the lyrics just sort of hit exactly the way you need it to. <laughs> right. Or, you know, you see you see an animal outside and the way that it is doing whatever it's doing, it's telling you a story you need to hear. Um, yeah, there's there's literally communication everywhere. And that's such a beautiful, mm-hmm. fascinating thing about about life is that everything is communication I mean um even even just in nature everything's communicating something to us but everything around us is communicating something and I feel like you know say you walk into your favorite garden on one day and it's filled with beautiful flowers and um everything's blooming and you know there's fruit and vegetables or whatever is in your favorite garden that you can even just imagine that space and what's it communicating to you that day you know it's a communicating love and abundance unconditional love like here's this just gift of all of these things from nature that's just always there and peacefulness and groundedness and all of these beautiful things but you walk in to that same space on a different day and maybe you're it's 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 um a challenging day or you're you're really in a mood 
that garden's still communicating those things, but we might not, we just might not see it or feel it. Um, mm-hmm. And so the communication's broken mm-hmm. in that moment. And I feel like that can be applied so many places, you know, um, in our lives in terms of how we're receiving communication like and also what we're communicating. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Like, I feel like the way you just described that, um, example in the garden, like, like I had a really bad day this week with communication. Well, I just had a really bad day this week with like tech stuff going wrong. Ah, Mercury retrograde. Yeah. And I felt my energy contract. Like I felt everything inside of me contract hmm. and go and go inward. And it, and I started tapping into more like anger, frustration, and that kind of clouded the way I looked at everything. And it made me feel like I, like I might as well just not do anything. <laughs> so I'll just give up. But um, in the in that moment, if life had tried to communicate with me, which it probably was. I wasn't, I didn't have eyes to see it. Hmm. My heart wasn't open. My ears were not open to that. I was really looking for somebody to validate my hurt. And, and that's that wall, isn't it? You just identified. Mm-hmm. It's like I wanted life to say, yeah, life sucks. I'll show you another example of how life sucks today. <laughs> and I was just looking for those examples because I wanted to feel validated in my pain. And I really, I zoned out on all of the other stuff that may have been coming through. That's a beautiful, that's beautiful awareness right there. Mm-hmm. Just to be In aware. <laughs> but you know, even still, that's part of living the awakened path is like, okay, maybe we don't notice right in that moment. We get better at that over time. Yeah. But to no- recognize that now and say, you know, my filters were distorted and I was looking mm-hmm. for validation. On, and, and the other beautiful part that in, in, in you saying that is that you're saying how all of these emotions came up, anger and frustration, and that those are communicating too. Mm-hmm. You know, emotions are all, that's what they are. They're communicating something to us. Yeah. And it was like for anger, I feel like it was communicating to me, like my boundaries were crossed. Right. Um, and then the frustration was also communicating to me, you know, something needs to change here. Like I, it, it really um, lit a fire under me to create change. And I think the old me would have wanted to change something external only, hmm. you know, like I did fire somebody that day. So I did change something <laughs> external <laughs> and it may have been a bit of a, a trigger moment but um and I'm learning but also I did look inward and I say how could I have done something different as well because the frustration you know it prompted me to sort of to look in and and say how could I have maybe um communicated better with this person um so that I could have avoided the frustration and the tech issues so yeah, the, the, you're right. The emotions are always communicating something and it's usually helpful, especially if we can garner that, the communication part and, and let ourselves feel it and then move through it and then yes. eventually let it go and come back to that openness and being, and being aware and looking for 
the whole rainbow of possibilities that's out there, not just I want to be validated in my anger. Right. But it's so real in the moment. Mm-hmm. You know, just mm-hmm. when when that anger is there. And it's it's so amazing because when we recognize that emotions are communicating something to us, like as you said, you felt the anger was communicating a boundary had been crossed, that frustration was communicating that something needed to change. You know, you were looking for more resources or really shifting something. Our emotion, that is the function of human emotion, is to tell us that. And when we really have a good relationship with our emotions, we understand that communication. And so, you know, for example, anger comes up, boundary has been crossed. So like... And boundaries are a huge thing because we can have boundaries, but if we don't communicate them, we don't really have boundaries. That's a really good point. Yes. Because we could have, we could be holding a steady idea of a boundary inside, but it's kind of useless unless we actually tell the people around us, this is it. This is the line. This is what I'm okay with. And that's hard to do. That can be really because oh. people don't always necessarily receive boundaries in a <laughs> positive way. <laughs> Absolutely, because they're putting their own spin on it and their own, you know, issues with boundaries from their childhood or from their past relationships. And they could see it as an affront to them, or they could see it as a judgment, or that you're you know, being harsh, etc. There's so many ways that somebody could interpret a boundary. And that's really, it comes back to that, even just with hugs or whatever kind of boundaries that we have to recognize, one, in other people that they have boundaries, and then also respect our own. um, So that we're always respecting each other's boundaries. And sometimes we don't know what those are. So we could just blow right by someone's boundary, and they're upset. And we don't know why. Um, Mm -hmm. and that can be, that's also kind of another tricky situation, but that when we communicate those boundaries, we're respecting ourselves and the other person so that they know where that boundary is and they don't blow past it without realizing. And then we end up mad at each other because a boundary was crossed, but no one ever said, uh, Hey, by the way, um, I really need you to, do this and this um, when we're communicating so that there's that clear boundary. Mm-hmm. It's so respectful for both sides. I, you know, I, I, I can't say how many times that I've talked to clients about how important it is to, and how respectful it is to the other person to communicate a boundary so that you can preserve your friendship or your relationship, whatever kind of relationship it is, um, because otherwise resentment happens. Mm-hmm. And the, and the it relationship, it does. And then the relationship mm-hmm. gets destroyed because I was too shy or I didn't want to say, um, I really need you to um, give me a heads up if you're not going to show up when we have plans. Just let me mm-hmm. know. Because if this keeps happening, I'm not going to want to spend time with you anymore. And that might be something that's hard to say to somebody, but it's respectful to both of you to say it in a, you know, we don't, Mm -hmm. setting boundaries doesn't need to be a confrontational thing. It can just be, you know, in terms of 
like confrontational it can be a kind of respectful calm gentle nice way to of doing things um Mm -hmm. if we're already angry you know it's it means the boundaries already been crossed yeah maybe we should wait till we're not angry and then have that conversation (laughs) Mm -hmm. absolutely yeah and and then also too if we wait until we're not angry it gives us a, a moment to reflect on our our part of it yes um to, to say like oh okay maybe i didn't actually explain and express to this person what i needed in order to feel okay and and so then you can can ha- then have that conversation but and it's talking about boundaries and communicating that well in relationship it makes me think about how important it is in the relationship we have with ourselves to communicate with ourselves our boundaries as well um, yes. i find that that is a often overlooked piece yes um, and it all over the rest of our relationships in our life stems from the health of the relationship we have with ourselves and and when i set healthy boundaries with myself around certain things like for example I sometimes spend way too much time online hmm. and I have a long to-do list and I should be getting to that to-do list instead. And so if I have a healthy boundary around, you know, how much time I'm spending online and I honor it, then I, I feel like my relationship with myself is, is less, is in less conflict. Otherwise, right if I blow past my own boundaries, I find that I, I feel this inner conflict all the time. It's like this tug of war inside of me um, where I am not feeling good about myself or I'm not feeling like I have respected myself and then it affects my self-esteem a lot. Mm-hmm. Do you ever have that with your own boundaries with yourself? Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. If I cross my own boundaries, you know, and so it's like, I'm so glad that you, you mentioned that because communication with ourselves is like first and foremost, we always say this, like, if we want to have these things with other people, we have to have it at like home base within ourselves first. That's just, it ripples out from there. So anytime that I set a boundary for myself and then I cross it, it's, um, and if I cross it, it's, 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 I end up feeling pretty disappointed in myself. And then it kind of feels like a loss of, you know, power. And I'd feel less empowered. I feel um, disrespected by myself, you know. And mm-hmm. um, so I'm very, you know, I try to be very aware of what boundaries I need in the first place, because sometimes we're not aware right away and then I and then I realize oh you know what I really need to rebalance this I'm doing too much um of this and not enough of that for me to feel um at my best Mm -hmm. so uh and the other thing is negotiating boundaries because they change is the other thing Sometimes, Mm -hmm. um, you know, maybe I'll have some days where, um, I require more rest, uh, and, you know, I can just really get into kind of work mode and not having a boundary and doing too much because I am somebody who 
in the past was just my natural way of doing things was just to pile everything on just to just not have a boundary in terms of like okay well you know what that's enough like your schedule's full and there's not space for anything else now including time for yourself which is really important and sometimes that'll change I mean I go through waves of like um, have a really busy week and that's okay um, but I have to make sure that I have rest time and processing time processing time that boundary is probably the biggest one for me for myself in terms of upholding and respecting and nurturing myself is to understand that I can spend so much time being outgoing and doing things and being busy but for those times I need that amount of time and a little bit more to process it so it's not introverted in that way but I need time to to kind of rest my mind rest uh, my body my emotions and um, to balance out the expenditure of energy for the other things and that's not something that I ever took into account before just go Mm -hmm. just pile everything on pile it on pile it on and I've also experienced the opposite like when when I had uh, some uh, um, serious health issues and I, I was severely limited in the things that I could do in a day and um it was hard to switch into that just rest all the time mode because that's what I need what I needed and that's where I say Mm -hmm. that we need to be able to be open to negotiating our boundaries when they need to be changed because they're fluid some things are fluid they need to be adjusted it can't just be rigid all the time this is what this is we have to really sit Mm -hmm. down and be honest with ourselves and say you know what I need a lot more rest these days Mm-hmm. and that's that's okay so like I'm setting my my limit in a different place I'm setting the bar in a different place but that could be just for this week or for today or whatever um mm-hmm. so yeah it yeah it's really important as you said like to be fluid because yes that's very important just in life but also it from the communication piece like if, when we are able to be in communication with ourselves in an open and clear way daily, then we can check in with ourselves and see what we need and honor that. But if we sort of only check in with ourselves like once a month or once a year, um, we set these boundaries, we set them and forget them, and then but they might not actually be working for us right. on a daily basis. And so that constant communication with ourselves and being aware of what our needs are moment to moment, day to day, and honoring those boundaries by like clearly communicating them to them to ourselves um, is really, really helpful. And on that note, I'm curious to know, how do you do that? Like, how do you communicate with yourself? Do you like write in a journal? Do you find that it's meditation? Or do you just find that it's like a constant moment thing? Oh, it's definitely all of the above for me. Okay. I de- I definitely need to write things out. I need to communicate them. Like you and I do this all the time where we're just kind of bouncing things off of each other because when I hear myself say things out loud, I realize, oh, that's how I really feel. Because <laughs> if it's just circulating <laughs> yeah. around in my head, I feel like 
it doesn't really have uh, any kind of tangibility. But as soon as I hear myself say it or talk about it, I, I it suddenly becomes very clear to me. So just this mm-hmm. kind of communication. I talk to myself too. Let's be honest. I have conversations with myself all the time. But I also write <laughs> and um, writing and meditation and just constantly trying to, you know, doing my best to be aware of my inner dialogue. Mm-hmm. Just to really yeah. have that kind of awakenedness about about how I'm feeling and what I'm thinking. So that presence with it. How about you? Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. I would say it's the same. Um, I find I have a tendency to ignore myself and and not communicate with myself on a regular basis. That is my go-to is just sort of like hide and distract, especially if the things that I need to communicate to myself are requiring me to change something big. Hmm. or to step up in a new way or to enforce a boundary that has previously given me something that has been unhealthy, but it's been something it's been giving me. I don't know if that makes sense, but like, for example, like if I know that I need to, you know, not watch as much TV, for example, Mm -hmm. I will sort of hide from that communication. That has been my my mode. So I find that I really require like daily journaling, Hmm. almost to like help me to communicate and make sure that that channel stays open versus me hiding from my own truth. And, and just going into some autopilot stuff that I know that, or just ignoring things like hiding, ignoring, that's always been the way that I have unhealthfully dealt with things or healthily or whatever you want to, I'm not judging it. It is what it is. But yeah, the, the daily journaling has been really important for me to keep those communication lines open and to be and to allow myself to just keep, keep staying honest with myself about where I'm at and what I've been feeling and what I need. Yeah. Yeah. I, I definitely I, I definitely find that very powerful and that aspect of also just talking things out either with someone or out loud to myself is super mm-hmm. helpful as well. Yeah. So that being said, we could continue talking about communication, communicating about communication for hours <laughs> on <We> end. <laughs> and despite Mercury two. retrograde, nothing happened today, <laughs> which is pretty amazing so far. <laughs> it's still early. It. It's still early. We could lose this whole recording. It'll be fine. It'll be fine. Okay. So awesome. we will pick this up again. Um yeah. communication part two one day. But for now we'll leave it here and we will meet again on Clubhouse next Wednesday, uh twelve thirty to one thirty. And everybody is welcome. Yeah. Everyone's welcome. And even if you can't join us live, always uh feel free to comment or kind of ask us questions or leave your comments we love seeing those too so i'm jada and i'm lisa thanks for joining us as we've illuminated living the awakened path in everyday life together together